Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening. You're listening to. You're listening to. Snow the goalie. The snow the goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. show with an oh yes and sometimes i mean it and sometimes i don't i don't think you ever really mean it but boy oh boy do i mean oh yes this week i don't think anyone needs that <laughs> thanks ryan <laughs> ryan lennox already in off the top rope in his clearance rack old navy shirt and i only know that because i own the same one. Oh yes <laughs> the philadelphia flyers the orange and black they have a spot in everyone's heart right now they have finally under Elaine Vigneault, hit their stride. Wait, let me stop you. What? Can I stop you right off the top? You just used the word finally. Finally. I don't think that this team, I didn't think, you didn't think, a lot of people didn't think that this team would hit their stride under this coach until later in the season. The fact that they've done it, and we're 17 games in, and it didn't just start in game 17, probably started a bunch, a lot sooner than that, that's that's pretty darn impressive. Normally, a new coach comes in, it takes a couple months to break the old habits, right? He got these guys out of the old habits quick. Quick. So there is no finally. This is now. This is in the moment. This is good coaching, which we haven't seen in Philadelphia in the hockey world for quite some time. This, it, this is what's making the Flyers a successful team at the moment. Well, my dear friend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who people can find over on Twitter, at Ant San Philly, I didn't get to finish. Well, you said finally. I, have I to said stop finally. You. Okay, go ahead. And then I was going to, right, I was going to point out the fact that a lot of people didn't expect them to hit this until sometime around Christmas. Yeah. And so the fact that this team has found the success that they have, five straight wins, four straight wins, four. Uh, they've got five wins in the last six games, one overtime loss. They've got three wins in the shootout, which we never thought would happen. That's usually a three-year total for this team. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, this this group that a week ago we were kind of lamenting, you know, being stuck. There, there was a, a bit of a rut. They had bad results against Pittsburgh, bad result against the Islanders. It was, it was you know, is it going to be fool's gold if they start stringing a couple of games together? There's no way to walk away from a weekend where you – Avenged a loss to Toronto where you lost in that 11-round shootout a week ago. You go into Boston. The Boston Bruins, who are first in the division. And for the Flyers to come out the way they did in the first 40 minutes of that game, be more or less dominant. Granted, you know, third period, wheels kind of came off a little bit. They got tired. I mean, that's what happens on a back-to-back. They've done the most travel of any team in the NHL. For them to be able to pull it back together... For Carter Hart to have the massive amount of saves he had down the stretch, including a save on a penalty shot, he had saves on a PK that, that quite frankly, many of those on any other night might have gone in, has a good effort in the overtime, and then goes out and once again in a shootout performs admirably. There's no way to look at these results that this team has has earned over the last week, week plus 
and say that it's anything short of impressive and far ahead of schedule. Yeah, it is definitely ahead of schedule. Look, the Boston win, that's that's a that's a landmark victory for this team. Um, I, I will go as far as to say that, you know, in these first 17 games, that the Flyers could arguably have – you could argue that they were the better team in the games that they played 14 times. You could arguably say that. Maybe there's one or two in there that probably, you know, could go either way. But for the most part, you know, you take away the game that they lost in Calgary where they sleep, you know, they were sleepwalking the whole night. You take away the back-to-back losses in New York and Pittsburgh, which were absolutely dreadful both games. Aside from that, Russ, the Flyers have been good. They've been really good. And so, you know, Boston is just the Icing on top of the cake. I mean, but winning the, this weekend. Look, Toronto, for as talented as they are, they've played 19 games. They've won nine. Okay. Yep. So they're they're a disappointment in a lot of ways. There's they're great talent there. You know, Flyers go in, win that game. Yeah, it's a shootout, but yeah, hey, you still win the game. And they played them really well last week in Philly. Um, and lo- even though they lost the shootout there, um, so so that one is impressive, right? You go on the road and win that. But to go the neck to travel from Toronto to Boston overnight and then have to play the Bruins, defending Eastern Conference champs, one of the best records in hockey so far, had only lost two games in regulation up to that point, uh, up to last up to last night, um, who's been re- who's rested. The Bruins were a rested team sitting there waiting for the Flyers to arrive. And, yeah, you know, look, the Flyers were great for the first two periods and then were a, a, a terrible in the third. I mean, it was all Boston in the third. I mean, they just took took over the game in the third period, scored two goals. Were it not for the great play of Carter Hart and goal, the Flyers would have lost the game. And even the Flyers did get a break earlier in the game. Not a lot of people talking about it, but there was a goal that Boston scored that they called goaltender interference, which was kind of a, a, a questionable goaltender no one, interference. No one really knows what goaltender uh, interference is. I know, no one knows. In this but it's, it's okay. Look, so when you're when you're a good team, you get some breaks that you maybe shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. The Flyers got that break. But then, you know, Hart saves them. I mean, Hart really makes a difference. He's he stops Pasternak on a penalty shot, which that building was rocking when Pasternak takes that penalty shot. Make, As it should have been. Yes. Yeah. For them, the best knowing, knowing that their best best player, their best player is going one on one, yeah, with a twenty year old goalie who had been up and down to start the season, right? That has all the feelings. It's it always feels like. Correct me if I'm wrong. It always feels like a team would prefer to have that penalty shot, or fans at least are more engaged in the spectacle of the penalty shot than having that power play. It feels yeah. like the, the there's a paradigm shift in momentum that happens. Fans get behind it, and Carter Hart, twenty years old. Up and down to start. What an amazing, excellent, and patient save. It was. Um, and then he had an opportunity to go against Pasternak again in the shootout. And the funny thing is, is he makes a save on Pasternak in the first um, the first attempt. Pasternak goes to his forehand, and Carter Hart makes a save. Comes again in the shootout, and Pasternak tries to go backhand, and Hart poke checks it away from him, just like knocks it off his stick. Whether Pasternak waited a little lo- too long before he tried the move or not, whatever. But, you know... Hart wasn't sitting there saying, oh, he tried this move last time. He's going to do it again. He he stuck with the play and read the play and did a great job, really. So Carter takes the win you know, and wins the game for him. And when you get good goaltending, it, it boosts the confidence of the team. I mean, it, 
And that's all they're saying. It's not just Hart. I mean, Brian Elliott's been great. He's been great. Like, if you look at his numbers, take away that Pittsburgh game, which, by the way, he gave up six goals in that Pittsburgh game, none of which were really his fault. I mean, maybe the first one you can argue, but, I mean, he might have... But then after that, everything fell... Everything in front of him fell apart. Yeah, I mean, but... But that's it. I mean, you take that one game away, his numbers are are excellent. Like two, three goals against and nine twenty five save percentage. I mean, Elliott's been really good. Carter Hart has turned it back around after a, a, a stretch of three or four games where he wasn't great, and he's really good. So good goaltending really makes a difference for for this team. And guess what? Now, Russ, they're in third place in the Metro. Whoop whoop. They have the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I mean. And it's a loaded division. They haven't been there in eight years. And that's the that's no joke. They haven't been this high in the standings in eight years. There's, there's something to this. Hey, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be all, you know, bowl rainbows, of, rainbows and smiles. Bowl of cherries the rest of the season bowl now. I mean, over the next, you know, 60 some games. But I, I'm pretty confident that this team's going to, you know, be able to weather any kind of storm that it faces. Granted, there's always the possibility that you have myriad injuries, right? Both goalies could get hurt, and then that would screw everything up. Or, you know, Konechny could break his leg, and, you know, then you have to shuffle oh, that man. line around. Golly. No, but I'm just saying, like, something like that could certainly happen and change what I'm saying. But I'll tell you, I, I think that there's something to this team right now. And I'm not certain that the fans are ready to get back on board. Oh, no. I'm not. It's interesting to, to note that the game against Montreal and Carolina last the last two home games, that they were under 17,000 fans in that in that building. Yeah, and it felt like a lot less. And that's bad. When you have an attendance that's below 17, that, that arena holds 20,000 for hockey, okay? Less than 17,000. And also take into account the standing room only seats and how jam-packed right. those spots sure. are as well. So, so you're, you're talking numbers that they haven't seen for flyers games with any kind of regularity obviously there's the rare game here and there bad weather whatever the case might be where you got low numbers but they haven't seen regular attendance this low since before they won the stanley cup i mean that's how long ago we're going back okay this these this fan fan base is not on board with the team and they might come back if the team progresses i guess the question that i have and i want to hear from fans I want to hear why or why not. Why are you back or why are you still not buying into this yet? I want them to tell me. So that's why we that's what we've we put the call out on Twitter. Hopefully some of our listeners will uh will chime in at 888-728-9941. That's how you can get on the program. Hit them with those digits again. 888-728-9941. Give us a call and tell us if you're uh if you're in or you're not yet with the Flyers. Because I'll tell you Russ, I think you got to be close. I think you have to at least at this point, you have to be checking in and saying, let me see what this team's about. Even if you're not ready to, to make that commitment for the full season that I'm going to ride or die with the fly or die with them, if, right. you, if you want to go with their, their slogan. Um, if, you, if you're not ready to make that commitment, you at least have to be interested enough to kind of check them out and see what's going on. Right? Don't you? Yeah, you have to. And, and I think this kind of comes back to why it's so important in any given season to – reach out to your fans and make sure that they don't fall away from the team. And you're starting to see the lasting implications of, or the lasting ramifications of what happened from a season ago. When the on-ice product was so woeful, so dreadful, 
the locker room seemed fractured. The the team on the ice seemed disinterested. The coaching staff, uh, for the the first half of the year at least, uh, was under constant fire from the fans. We got to see what happened when there was a uh, you know a massive blow up of the front office, and when we saw the same thing happen, um, you know, with the coaching staff with Scott Gordon coming in, they they had a nice little hot streak. But we saw the same thing. The attendance was down at the end of last season. We said, all right, with an apathetic fan base, what exactly do the does the team have to do to get these fans back on board? We talked about it all offseason. They never made that big splash. They didn't make that move that gets the 4-for-4 four four fan back on board. They didn't make the kind of signing or the kind of trade for a big name, a headlining talent that would get somebody who otherwise doesn't care on board. And it's a problem when you see how this is playing out now because this team, as hot as they are, and as well as they played at home, 6-1-1 and one at home, th- this is an issue that so many fans have fallen away from this team that we're seeing the low attendance that we are despite the impressive recent play. Well, I think Wednesday will be a real indicator because Wednesday, um, it's a home game against Washington, who is a big rival. It's a nationally televised game. It's a later start, so fans have a little bit more time. One of the things we always say if the 7 o'clock starts, we always hear midweek, 7 o'clock, it's hard to get into the building on time. You know, Traffic is tough. Parking is tough. By the time fans get in, it's closer to 8, 8 o'clock anyway. But now you get like a, a 7.30 TV start, 7.40 puck drop. You know, fans should be there. And, and we'll see. We'll see how many empty seats there are on Wednesday night and really see how apathetic they are. But let's talk to, a, talk to one of the fans who's called in. Chris is on the phone. Chris, you're on 610 ESPN Radio. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Guys, I am 42 years old. I have been with this team since Keenan's first year when I was seven years old. I have not left. I'm staying with this team good, bad, indifferent. I'm all in. I like what I saw the last couple nights with this team against Montreal, Toronto, and then Boston. Got concerns that they're dropping, that they're giving up these two leads. But for the most part, I like what I'm seeing. I like that you got the kids like Phil Myers, uh, Travis Konecki, Oscar Lindblom, and Carter Hart holding down the goal. These are the, these are the kids that are that we're expecting to see be the difference makers, and they're doing it now. I like what I'm seeing. And, and that's great, Chris. I, I want to take you through a, a little bit of what you said. I'm going to go step-by-step step with you for a second, okay? Sure. All right, so first yeah. of all, you said you've been with them since Keenan, all right? And that you're, oh, you, you, and I, you, and I, you and I are contemporaries. I'm only, I'm only a couple years older than you, okay? So, yeah. so uh, we've been watching hockey about the same amount of time. Um, yep. In the last seven years, though, it's been pretty mediocre and really frustrating to watch. It's, it's not been great yeah. hockey. What is it? What has your? What have you been like through those seasons? Like you know, you say well, you're all in, you stick with them through thick and thin. But boy, it's been right. thin for some time. It has, and here's the thing: my frustration with this organization was pre-Hextall because, like you talk, like Russ is talking about, like the wow factor. And I hope I got that right. I got sick and tired of seeing thirty-year-old. Jeremy Roenick, 30-year-old Peter Forsberg. I wanted to see 20-year these guys when they're in their 20s. I wanted to see the organization do what they did to get great, like under uh, 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 Keith Allen. I wanted to see a, a general manager be able to scout somebody, have the organization develop and draft. So we're not getting these great players at the tail end. I wanted to see great players 
throughout their duration. And that's what I liked what Hextall did. Granted, there were flaws in his in his Approach. in his process, right. which is why he's not here. But I think the process of developing players at a young age, getting them in, and I think there's something to be said about a core group of players coming through in their uh, throughout their career within the system, bonding together, like you see uh, in Chicago. You've seen that back in the day, Anthony. When we were this is before my time, but like with the Islanders and then with the Oilers dynasty, that. You yeah. have a core group that's together throughout. And I like what Hextall did. And you see, look, Phil Myers, he's undrafted. Oscar Limbaugh was a fifth-round pick. So the idea that you're building from within, I think, is how you do it. And I think part of the problem with the, these, these, these mediocre years, Hextall, Hextall inherited a mess. I mean, there was the team wasn't good enough to contend. They weren't bad enough to get like an Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid. And the cap was the, and the cap the, was the, was, yeah. was a mess, so we couldn't add anybody. Yeah, the cap was the the cap was the major was the major problem there. And if you yeah. really if you really want to make a comparison, to, you know, to the teams you're talking about, Chris, you don't have to go that yeah. you don't have to go that far back. I mean, here in Philadelphia, that those Keen that Keenan team in the mid '80s was very young. I mean, the only veterans it on that was. team really were Prop and Poolin. But you're talking about young kids like Tockett and Zezel and Derek Smith. Um, oh, yeah. You know, those guys were really really young. And even Hextall when he came in and replaced uh, uh, Bob Froze in 87. I mean, he was a he was a rookie, that. right? I mean, so we're talking about a lot of young talent that really made that team make that run. So, uh, are, so are you, final thing before we let you go, um, what's your thought moving forward here? I mean, obviously you get the big win against Boston and, and you know, you're in a 5-0-1 in their last six. Do you think that this is something that, you know, the Flyers are going to find themselves near the, you know, the, the top part of the division for much, much of the year? Or do you think that this is just a, a good run, but then we're going to see them drop back a little bit again? I think they are. And that kind of leads into a question I'm hoping to get into yeah. with uh, Frost. I think this is a team that's, that, that's going to ascend. I mean, I'm, ho- I'm really hoping that Farabee doesn't hit a rookie wall, and I'm hoping this team really kind of starts ascending because I like what I'm seeing. I'm hoping Sanheim kind of gets his game going. Um, ghost, I don't know where he's at. I mean, <laughs> uh, he's looking like a ghost. I mean, <laughs> but, um, there it is. But um, question regarding Morgan Frost. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling, and I think you guys might have touched on it, that they're looking to groom him as the second-line center, which is why I think – I'm kind of thinking maybe Valentine's Day he'll be here. Let's say Nolan Patrick is out indefinitely, and Frost comes up and is more impressive than Patrick was. Granted, this is there's a lot of ifs here. What do you do with Patrick in the offseason if he gets – uh, over his head situation that's a great question chris i'll answer it on the other side thanks for the call um there's a lot to unpack there first the first thing i say about morgan frost is is uh, you know when he comes up i don't, I don't think that they're just going to immediately plug him into the second line i really don't i think that's ultimately where he's going to play um and i think that, that it's possible that he's up before valentine's day and i only think that because Look, if the fly, if this roster somehow makes it to Valentine's Day without any injuries, Russ, that's a miracle, right? Somebody's going to have to get hurt. <laughs> I hate to say it, but somebody's going to have to get hurt. And there are players that are flexible to can bounce around. Wait a second. Sam Moran already got hurt. He's become the sacrificial – he's been sacrificed to the hockey gods. Okay. Our second coming of Chris Pron- – I actually feel bad for the guy. Yeah, no. I feel very bad. But no, I think, I think – so I think Frost will be up sooner – and I'm not certain that they're going to want to thrust him right into that second line role. You might see him play second line at home, at um, 
on the road and maybe third line at home when they get better matchups and can put the players out at the right time, kind of protect them a little bit, mm-hmm. um, really kind of let him you know, get his feet wet when it happens. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the one thing I, I will say is this. This is a good division, okay? Flyers sit in third place right now behind the Capitals and the Islanders. Islanders are better than I think everybody thought. I mean, I thought that they were going to be ahead, finish ahead of the Flyers, but I, they're, they're better than I think everybody thought. Carolina is, I think, a better team, and I think ultimately will will pass the Flyers. Pittsburgh should be ahead of the Flyers. However, Sid's hurt, undisclosed injury. He won't play tomorrow. Um, no further details on the severity of his injury or what his injury is. So that could throw a monkey wrench into Pittsburgh, okay? Because now they're going to be playing without Sid, without Geno. I mean, that we're talking, you know, the Penguins are – shell of a hockey team at that point um so i but do i think the flyers can kind of hang in with these teams and be in that race i don't think that there's going to be i i don't think there's going to be such a disparity between the four teams that are probably a little bit better than them and them i think that they can kind of stay in that mix and that in that battle whereas in previous years it was like all right they have no shot at the top three you got to try and win a wild card i think they have a shot at third Right, I think we shot at it as the season progresses, but they could just as easily be stuck in a wild card race and be on one side or the other, and 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 still be a decent team. I mean, they're on pace for 100 points right now. If you get 100 points, you're making the playoffs. You get 98, you're making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, since 0506 when they switched um, to you know the shootout and everything else, you're. you're Every team that's had 98 points or more has made the playoffs. And so the Flyers play like they've been playing for the rest of the season at 10. That, well, I mean, in fairness. Well, no, but 10, have, 5, and 2. Okay, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's not a, that's not asking a lot. I no, mean, that's, that's not. 10 out of every winning, 10 out of every 17 games. That's not, not, that's not asking a Make lot. Make sure that your losses go to overtime so at least you can pick up a point. Right, right that kind of thing. Something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get to part of, of, I think it was Chris's last last part about Morgan Frost and about Nolan Patrick. Yeah, we'll get to that. Because we've talked about Nolan Patrick a few times, uh, especially over on the Press Row show, and I, I never know between that show that we do a couple times a week when the Flyers have home games. Of course, you know you follow that over on uh, Facebook Live and Twitter and YouTube Live. But from what I gathered about a week ago, asking around, Nolan Patrick had made progress um, up until about two weeks ago he was starting to progress, getting closer to maybe not being in contact at practice, but he was he was progressing. He was on like a three-week or so progression. And up until about a week and a half ago, he was looking like maybe late November, early December, there was a possibility of him coming back. About a week and a half ago, he had a setback. And the way that I had it described to me was the setback that he had set him back to where he had been three weeks prior meaning all of the progress that they had made to that point in the last three weeks had been lost because the the entire thing with his rehab and with them trying to get this migraine disorder under control is you're trying to limit, if not entirely remove the possibility of there being any kind of a, of a migraine or, or any kind of um, lasting symptoms. So you'll see that there are times that he'll be out and he'll, he'll be skating after practice or sometimes where he's skating with the rest of his teammates in practice, but you're not going to see him go to, to contact drills. And I, 
the only thing I can say is, and, and I've said this so many times, and I know that people think it's super negative to, to feel this way, but I don't think right now you can plan on Nolan Patrick being back anytime soon. And I don't know if you can base this season on having him back because it's such a temperamental thing. You know, like, the, the question before has, has come to us, would it be better if he had post-concussion syndrome? Well, no. I mean, that's not great. But I feel like there's actually... There, there is so much money going into it now. There's so much research being done, and it feels like there are more cutting-edge and, and breaking tech things that are working on post-concussion syndrome that at least you would kind of have a better idea of what's going on. The migraine disorder can can take so many different variations. It can take so many different paths that it's such an unpredictable kind of disorder to have that it's hard to to envision a scenario where this team is able to plan on Nolan Patrick being back and and being a meaningful, impactful player so it's not meant to be negative. It's just I, I don't, you know, if, if he had torn an ACL, fine. You know what the recovery time on, on that is. And you know that eventually he'll be back. There are a couple of things that are working against him. He's got the migraine disorder. He's got the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy in his NHL career. He's come into, what, one, two seasons with a different injury or, or diagnosis uh, in his NHL career. And quite frankly, when he's been on, the, been on the ice, he's never really inspired confidence. He hasn't been a guy that you watch. It's not that you have to be this over-emotive kind of player. You don't need to to be the most uh, loud, obnoxious, braggadocious kind of guy. I mean, we ta- had this conversation a week ago with Claude Giroux. Like, you don't have to be that kind of a leader necessarily to, to show that you care. But there has been a question about Nolan Patrick's motor in the past. And so, like, I've seen people calling him a bust. I think it's kind of unfair to say he's a bust right now because of the disorder that he's got. Um, but he hasn't lived up to the hype. And when he's been quasi-healthy during the season, he's never really lived up to a, a number one or number two pick kind of billing. And I think that's an issue. And it's been an issue. And so the question about Morgan Frost coming up, if I said to you that this time next year, Nolan Patrick is not on this team, he's no longer with the organization, would that be rocking the boat too much? No. He's an RFA after this year. And if if I were the Flyers, if I were Chuck Fletcher, and I'm looking at the long-term prospects, knowing that Morgan Frost, if he keeps up the kind of pace he's on, and you think that physically he's going to develop, I think there would be at least two or three other teams in this league who, despite the health issues, would trade for the rights to Nolan Patrick. Yeah, maybe, but that doesn't necessarily mean it brings you value. It might not. I mean, but it, I, I don't know at what point you cut your losses. Well, look, here's if, th- if you believe as a medical staff, if you believe as an organization that you're not going to be able to rectify and that you have other options who are healthy, who've been able to stay healthy and you feel like you've got a glut of centers and young centers and guys who can make an impact. I don't know why you would keep Nolan Patrick around at that point. Well, I mean, they obviously think he's got a skill set, Russ, and that's why you keep him around. I mean, Sam Moran was drafted in. 2013 and he's still around he's played nine nhl games in six years i mean he's still around i mean if you think that there is a value to the player to you know in his skill set you're going to keep him around i mean you hope that you find a solution for this migraine illness um which if you do research on it there's really no cure nope for migraines right so it it, some people have issues that are you know more regular than others, and that's maybe he's one of those people, or maybe he's maybe it's not migraines. <laughs> I don't know. I have heard that thrown around. I mean, I, it's I, possible. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I mean, it, it. I don't know. Hold on. We said we were going to be Positelphia, and we've gone down a Negadelphia track. 
This after, is not a Negadelphia track. We're answering well, a question it's, it's, of a caller. It, it's kind of down. Well, it's but not, the, it was a question the that the caller okay. asked. Thanks, Chris. You made us negative. I was not trying to be negative. No, thank you, Chris. Yeah. If you want to be like Chris and uh, give us some fodder <laughs> as we try to figure out where the fan base is, because uh, I can tell you that on Twitter, it looks like a lot of people are in on this team, and over on Facebook, where um, a different a different group of, of people uh, live and work. It's the difference between Target and Walmart. You can make whichever one you want. Uh, you can't make those references. They might fire you like Don Cherry. Oh, no. Listen, you... <laughs> You kind of co-hosts San Filippo. That'll be a thing we'll get to later. Uh, on the other side of the break, we want to hear from you. 888-728-9941. That's 888-728-9941. We want to hear, are you in on this team? Based on this hot run they've had, are you in? Had you fallen away? Are you back on track? Let us know. 888-728-9941. And then later in the program, uh, Amy Johnson from the HL Report. Um, Rocket Sports, she will be checking in with us as she does every month uh, to talk about the Phantoms. And she'll talk a little bit about Morgan Frost and how he's been playing for the Phantoms. And she also got to see a uh, ECHL game, the Reading Royals, and got to see Felix Sandstrom's mm. first uh, game uh, or first win um, in uh, North America. So she'll tell us a little bit about that as well. Flyers goalie prospect. So we'll talk to Amy down the road here on the show. You're listening to Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. We are back on Snow the Goalie Radio, the only Philadelphia Flyers specific radio show in the entire Philadelphia market. Here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Before we go on, breaking news. Anthony, you ready? Ready. We got breaking news. DraftKings has launched an online sportsbook created by sports fans for sports fans, and it's now available in Pennsylvania. That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has it all. Overs, unders, player props, in-game betting, and some special odds boosts every day for the biggest games. This isn't some sort of offshore operation like some of the other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Get in on the action wherever, whenever in the Keystone State. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code CROSSINGBROAD, that's all caps, CROSSINGBROAD, when you sign up. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code crossing broad, all caps, crossing broad, to get a deposit bonus of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, uh, my picks that I've been putting out here over the air, uh, four and two so far this season. I give a pick every week. Last week's lost in a shootout. Actually, it was an overtime last week. I thought it was a shootout, but it was, I double checked. It was an overtime lost last week um so i'm looking to bounce back this week the pick i'm going to give you i kind of teased it teased it a little bit unbeknownst to the rest to the rest of you um but with Sidney crosby not playing tomorrow night for the penguins i'm going to take the new york rangers at home against the penguins a very shorthanded depleted penguins roster uh against a rangers team that's very young themselves and it's gotten off to a decent start for a team that was not supposed to be very good, 7-6-2 and two so far. I'll take the Rangers at home against the Penguins on Tuesday night. That's a gutsy call. Yeah. I dig it. I also dig the DraftKings Sportsbook app, which you should go check out and download and use the code CROSSINGBROAD 
Get that $500 bonus. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Let's... Go well, ahead. No, no. I, I wanted to talk about somebody that I'm really excited about and somebody that I, I wrote a really a really brief thing about um, a few days ago over on CrossingBroad.com where you go for your number one coverage of the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, it was about Phil Myers. Yeah. A young defenseman who, um, go back to the offseason. Elaine Vigneault came in, and when he talked about defensive pairings, he was saying Phil Myers in the same kind of vein as he was Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov, eventually Niskanen and Braun. And we thought that Phil Myers was going to be on this team day one. It didn't happen. He was sent down to the Phantoms. And instead of sulking, instead of you know being a guy that we see the, so often in this league, gets sent down and be brokenhearted about it, we saw a guy go down to the AHL and absolutely tear up the competition. Looked as if the Flyers had made a mistake. And I, I got to chat with him a little bit uh, on Thursday after the game and um, just ask him about what exactly it was that the coaches told him and, and that the, the front office told him before they sent him down to the Phantoms. And he said for, for him it was all about needing to keep the game simple, that sometimes he was overthinking it, and that he's got the physical skills and he's got the ability to go out and if he plays instinctually and doesn't overthink things, that he'd be fine. And he said it was all about keeping it simple. You look at what he's done since. He's got a goal in three consecutive games, which I think I believe is the first time since 1987 that there's been a Flyers defenseman to score in three consecutive games. Yep. And and it's only happened it's only happened four in a row once. Also, Markel, 1986. It's the only time in Flyers history. So if he scores again Wednesday night against the Caps, that would be only the second time ever. National ever. TV game. Yeah. But anyway, just go ahead, continue. You look at the kind of player that Phil Myers is, and he's exciting. And I, I, I wrote in the thing that there's, there's something about, and I, I, I did a lot of wrestling references in that, but like there was the good old phrase, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, so I'll, I'll just say intestinal fortitude. But to make the play that he did in last Thursday's game, where he's falling away towards the half wall, he rips a shot on net, and it's a seeing eye kind of thing. He threads the needle. That's the kind of shot that a defenseman who is or a player in general who's lacking confidence doesn't try to make that's the kind of shot that most defensemen don't attempt and that's one that you can see the confidence in and it it was an excellent play yeah he's definitely playing with a little bit of confidence um last few games i do want to temper it a little bit i mean he's not been perfect um there there have been some there have been some mistakes um same with with guys like Sanheim, there have been some mistakes, and uh, even Provorov's had a few. Um, Gossip Bears had plenty. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, I, it, yes, it's exciting. He scored a goal in three straight games. That's awesome. He's an undrafted uh, free agent who the Flyers brought in, have developed, and turned into an NHL defenseman. That's great. And who drafted him? And nobody. He's undrafted. No, I'm sorry. Who brought him in? What do you mean, who brought him in? Who signed him? Well, Hextall. There's a theme developing. We'll get to that later. Go uh, ahead. Well, <laughs> of course. Go ahead. Well, Ross, it has to have been Hextall. Yeah, Fletcher's only been here a year. Hextall was here five years. Yep. You aren't going to have any young players who were here that weren't brought in by Hextall. <laughs> when you put together... I mean, come the, on, no, Ross. I, I know, I know. That, that's comical. He was found He was found by Ron Hextall and that staff. Oscar Lindblom, a fifth-round pick 
That's great. Was taken by by that same regime. Do you, if you want, I can go back and find you every GM in hockey who've had either a late round pick who developed unexpectedly or an undrafted free agent who developed unexpectedly. Let's not try I and want turn. That in a, I want that in a piece later. Let's this not week. try and turn Ron Hextall into like you know your your own version of Sam Hinkie. I mean, I I don't want to go. That, let's not do that. Okay, please. It's ridiculous. Um, but I want to say this. This is an interesting thing. I you know Pierre LeBrun. Uh, from The Athletic, put out a story today uh, where he did a one-on-one interview with Chuck Fletcher uh, up in Toronto when they were up there. And it's interesting because Chuck's dad, Cliff Fletcher, is a senior advisor for the Leafs, so it's kind of fun that he got the two of them together, talked to both of them a little bit. Um, and he asked about um, the, the Flyers' defense. and Specifically, the question that, that um, Pierre asked was about Ivan Provorov. But here's how Fletcher answered. He answered it talking about almost – the entire defense. Didn't mention everybody. Almost. <clears throat> this is Fletcher's answer. You know, we're still probably a bit young. Rick Wilson, who was former former uh, assistant coach, always said until a defenseman has played 200 games in the league, he's still finding his way. Based on that, we still have several defensemen that are finding their way. There's a lot of upside with our group, but we've seen that in the early portion of the season, and we've had some inconsistencies. There are always inconsistencies with younger players. But we expect as the season goes on, players like Sanheim and Myers in particular are going to make big strides and get better. And as they get better, our team will get better. Niskanen and Braun bring a lot of experience. After that, you look at it. Provorov is about 240 games in the league. Haig, Myers, and Sanheim are relatively young. Poor Sam Moran just hurt his knee. Uh, He's extremely raw. It's a young group, but a young group with upside. By God, there's a name missing. By <laughs> God, there's a name Robert missing. Robert Haig hasn't played in two weeks, and he got mentioned in the head of the cost of spare. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that they identify, they recognize, you know, what what fans sometimes fail to see because Phil Myers has scored a goal in three straight games, mm-hmm. that there are aspects of his game that are still not there, and it's sure. going to take a while for them to get there. So, yes, let's... Because he, if he goes, what if he goes like the next eight or nine games and doesn't score, and then we're gonna are we gonna start highlighting his struggles? And then is that is that a positive or a negative for Phil Myers? So that's the thing we got to be real. That's where we got to be really careful. That's where we got to be really careful. Which is fair. It's fine to temper those kind of expectations. Yes. I I agree. It's it's important to not set unrealistic expectations for for the kid. Yeah. I would also argue that at the same time, he's six foot five. Sam ran six seven. The things that Phil Myers is able to do that certain guys, including Sam Moran, aren't able to learn at that size is skating. Oh, yeah, he's a great skater. Myers is an unbelievably good skater for his position and for his stature. And I think that's like one thing that sets him apart that makes him such a great find as an undrafted player is, you know, you could try to teach a guy to skate, but we've seen time and time again, that can end up being the thing that separates an AHL defenseman from an NHL defenseman. Now, if if Myers fails to score in the next few games, but he's making intelligent heads-up plays in his defensive zone, then it's fine. I, I personally, at least my, my, myself, I don't look for Phil Myers to be a uh, 12, 15 goal scorer per year. I'm not looking for that from him. But if he is able to go in and give you more and at least give you that look offensively that you can't get from a Robert Haig, and he ends up being a, a pretty low-cost defenseman in that in that role, then it ends up being a good thing for your team. Well, that's it. Let's talk to someone who's seen a lot of Phil Myers. 
Although we don't want to ask her about Phil Myers because now he's up in the, in the NHL. She's not watching him anymore. But oh, let's... she's still watching. <laughs> of course, she's Give still her watching. She her, is... You know why she's still watching? Because her Twitter handle is at Flyers Rule. Mm-hmm. Right? You know it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm still watching. Uh, Amy Johnson joins us from the AHL Report as part of Rocket Sports. Amy, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be back. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, first recurring uh, first role. recurring guest. How about yeah, that? First recurring guest. Well, I think it's a good I idea. I like it. Yeah, it's a good idea. We check in with the minor league team once a month, see how things are going down there. Usually there's going to be somebody that everybody wants to talk about. And, of course, that person. I wonder who that could be. That person right now is Morgan <laughs> Frost, who's leading the Phantoms in scoring. Amy, what's what's he been like down there with the Phantoms? Uh, well, you know, I remember when we talked about Morgan Frost last month, he was having a bit of a, he was struggling a little bit, you know, that, that adjustment after his injuries in camp and, and getting sent down and getting over that hurdle. I, I, I believe Morgan Frost has cleared that hurdle, um, in his 13 games played, as you said, he's leading the Phantoms in scoring with 12 points, uh, with five goals, seven assists. That means he's also leading the team in goals, leading the team in assists, uh, Right now is at a point nine two point per game average, which is I I, I don't think that's too shabby. No. Um, <laughs> and and fifty percent in the shootout. He's two for four in the shootout already. Um, those points have him second in the AHL rookie scoring race uh, for the points race for rookies in, in the league right now. So um, Morgan Frost has been uh, doing all right. He went on a really hot seven game point streak. Took a game off. Sorry, we'll give him one game off. But then the last two games, uh, he's had two assists and another goal, so he's he's right back on it again. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just he's lighting it up in the AHL right now. Well, so here's here's one that I want to ask about. Okay. Obviously, obviously, we always see that that you know we can all see that he's scoring, right? We can look at the box score and oh, there's mm-hmm. that Frost kid get his name's in there again. Mm-hmm. How is he playing in the 200-foot game? How is he playing defensively? Is he playing reliably? Is he getting back? Is he helping out? Is he you know, managing the puck well, possessing it well? I think those are the things ultimately – we all know that he can score. But I think ultimately the thing that's going to make the determination for this organization as to when he gets the call-up from the AHL is when he can play all 200 feet in the ice. And I think that's the one thing that has kind of held him back to this point. And that's really the key – to the AHL, right? The AHL is a development league. And not, well, I I shouldn't even say not all rookies, most rookies are not going to come out of the gate like a Joel Farabee um, and and be able to play in the NHL on a consistent basis. And, I mean, he's played 10 games. So, as you said earlier in the show, we'll see if he can keep that up um, and and doesn't hit that rookie wall. Um, But most most guys need some time playing against men, playing against uh, much more experienced professionals because they need to work on that defensive side of their game. Yeah, Morgan Frost can is a playmaker. He can score. We know that. Um, and defensively, he's not doing too badly, but he – I say I'm o- I always err towards the side of don't rush them. Um, let him – he's riding some confidence right now, and the more he's scoring, the more he's going to feel good about himself, the more he's going to be paying attention to, okay, let me keep working on these other parts of my game, like my skating, my strength, um, and, and, you know, my defensive play, so that when I do get that call up, I'm not lost in my own zone. Um, so I, he's he's 
he's doing well. He's doing the right things. Uh, he's doing a lot better than he was a month ago, for sure. Um, but and I and I know you know Flyers Twitter is is all on board for the hey let's see Morgan Frost since AV seems to be uh, cashing in on that promise that there'd be a lot of uh, roster rotation in the first six weeks of the season. Um, but but I would say just kind of tap the brake on that a little bit. Let him, let him ride this out in the AHL for a little bit and get some good experience and, and build up that strength and build up that defensive play. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Amy. I think that's spot on. Um, a guy that Flyers did just call up as they're rotating their fourth-line centers. We, we've had mm-hmm. so many different guys up here. Uh, Andy Andreoff got his first opportunity um, uh, this weekend. Uh, how was he playing down with the fans? I mean, we don't, again, it's easy for us to look at the box scores, but we don't actually watch the games. Like you're actually there watching the games. How was he playing down there uh, to deserve, you know, this call up? Was he was he more worthy of of the the call up as than say someone else on the roster? Andy Andrioff is is a really complete player. He's in his ten games. He's got seven points, so he's tied for third. I believe, uh, on the team for points, three goals and four assists. Keep in mind, though, Andy Andrioff is new to the Phantoms this year. Andy Andrioff has been around for a little while. He played with the LA Kings Mm -hmm. at the NHL level for three years, from 2015 to 2018, and he did okay, like looking at around nine or ten points per season. So nothing overly impressive. Last year, however, he played full season with the Syracuse Crunch. He He was one of their alternate captains. 55 points, 26 goals, 29 assists. Um, he was he was a big deal for the Syracuse Crunch last year, and he's one of the ones that the Phantoms went out and got, in addition to Nate Prosser and Cal O'Reilly, who are now new to the Phantoms this year, who Scott Gordon and, and staff awarded the triple co-captaincy. Prosser, O'Reilly, and Andrioff all share the C, and they each wear it. They rotate it on different nights. Whoever's not wearing it, the other two wear the A. Um, the thing about Andy Andrioff is not only does he, you know, he's, he's an impressive player in that he's smart, he works hard, he's got really good hockey IQ, um, but the off-ice part of his game and the leadership, uh, the thing that impressed us when we spoke with him, he's humble. He knows his role, particularly with younger players. Um, we asked, uh, Scott Gordon had said to us uh, post game one night, and this is this is a direct quote from Scott Gordon, that this leadership staff, including including Andrioff, their demeanor and how they carry themselves, is a great extension of the coaching staff. And and Gordon has really said that he relies on those three uh, to act as as surrogate coaches uh, when 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 it's just the players. Um, and so I think that also contributed to Andrioff getting the call up. Sure, he and he's he's playing well. Um he's a, like I said he's a hard working player. He knows how to score, he knows how to put points up. Um but there's a really big leadership aspect and an off-ice aspect that I think um has made its way to the ear of of Vigneault that he wanted to take a look. One of the guys that uh the former uh, uh brass for the Flyers really liked and I think kind of has fallen down the the depth chart a little bit with uh, the with the uh, Fletcher regime is uh, Nick Aubey Kubel. Um, mm. Has he been kind of a little bit up and down uh, in in his uh, in his play to start the season for the Phantoms, and that's why he hasn't been kind of given a chance here uh, for that one of those fourth line roles. 
a little bit. He hasn't missed a game yet. He's got four goals and, an, and one assist for five points. Um, so he's – Albert Kubel's doing doing all the right things, and he's playing the same kind of game that he always plays. He's, he's uh, you know, he's been working on his, his PK. He told us at the beginning of the season he knows that the only way uh, that he's going to stand out if he gets called up is to be able to, to – provide on the PK that there's no room on the power play. So he's working on that aspect of his game. I think, as you say, I think he's fallen down the depth chart a bit because quite frankly, there is just so much young talent on this team that they're, they're leapfrogging him, unfortunately. And that's not anything against Nick Kubel's abilities or skills. It's just that quite frankly, the, the farm and the, and the youth movement with in Philadelphia right now is so strong that they're casting a shadow on guys who who had been there working on things already. Um, I think he'll still get get his chance. You know, yesterday, even yesterday's game, he had a gorgeous setup play in overtime for Walensky um, that Walensky wasn't quite able to finish. But but he's out there making the plays. Um, it's just it's just a matter of him getting an opportunity. Will will he be one of those you know roster movements up and down? Um, we'll see. Um, my fear is that Albe Kubel, if he gets a shot, he's really going to have to do something because the the competition around him is is just phenomenal, as fans are seeing with just about everybody every guy that gets called up. So, in order for him to to not get stuck in that place where he does really well at the AHL level, but then can't find that bark at the NHL level there are there are a lot of really good hockey players that find that they can't make that transition um he's just gonna if he gets his opportunity he's gonna have to make the most of it in a really really big way but I think I think he'll still get a look at some point Amy there's a a player that I think a lot of fans want to know about and how they're doing um with the phantoms and that of course is uh, Curtis Gabriel I'm just kidding um let me ask you about somebody that that fans have actually inquired a lot about and that's Isaac Ratcliffe hasn't he hasn't seem to blow anyone away with with his points right now um no what what do you think is going on right now with Isaac Ratcliffe why has he not seemed to take that next step the way that so many of his contemporaries seem to have done uh with the Phantoms this season it's a good question you know Ratcliffe's as you see he's played all but one game um for the Phantoms this year but he's only got three points one goal and two assists um He's he's not you know a liability out on the ice. He's he's as far as his plus minus, he's actually even. Um, I think I think he's getting lost in the crowd a little bit. Um, I think there's some <clears throat> excuse me some defensive play that needs to be worked on. Um, you know it's it's certainly not that he's taking bad penalties or he's actually only got two penalties on the season so far. Um, or anything like that. I, I really think that he's just got to continue to work at the basics. I think, um, you know, a lot of people even expected maybe he and Frost would find some chemistry, and that's just not happening for him, for on the Ratcliffe side of things. That's 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 not uh, necessarily happening. Some guys do take a little bit longer, um, and some guys go through uh, that that kind of mental hurdle of of getting stuck in a rut and then they maybe grip the stick too tight every time they're out and make mistakes and um I, I think Isaac Ratcliffe's time will come. We've seen in junior what he can do. Um so we know the skills are there. 
but it's a much different moving moving into professional hockey um particularly guys who who succeed at a really high level either in NCAA or in junior find when they jump to to the AHL and start playing pro it's it's a it's such a different game um and sometimes for some of them it just takes a little bit longer so i say keep a keep a good eye on Isaac Ratcliffe i don't i i think he's got good things coming i think he's just got to got to find them last thing i got to ask you about real quick before we wrap this up you got to see Sandstrom's first North American shutout last week with the Reading Royals I in did. the ECHL against the Adirondack Thunder. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, how how does he look? I mean, is he, is he a guy that's you know just playing in the ECHL just because there's not room for him in the AHL? You think he's a guy that could very well play at the A at this point? Um, to answer the first part of your question, uh, yes, I believe the, you know he's he's definitely in the ECHL because. Lion and Barube, um, you know, have have everything locked up uh, in the AHL. And Scott Gordon had said he didn't want to run a three goalie rotation um, at the AHL level, so that's understandable. Um, so it's Sandstrom and Kirill Ustamenko who are sharing the net for Reading. And uh, yeah, the the game that I saw against um, Adirondack was uh, it was a one nothing. their best they put up 25 shots on goal against Adirondack in the first period of that game um, but Sandstrom managed to get his first North American shutout as you said he's three and three on the season with a 392 goals against and an 871 save percentage um, he's doing well at, the thing with Sandstrom is coming to North America means playing just like it is for skaters for goaltenders it's an adjustment to the size of the ice, to the smaller ice. Uh, we asked him about this in, in preseason when he was still up in the Phantoms camp, and he said, yeah, absolutely, it's an adjustment for me just like it would be for a skater because, you know, sure, skaters, the ice, the ice surface is, is smaller, so, you know, it's a tighter game. Passing lanes are, are, are narrower, those types of things. But for the goaltender... The angles are are all different. Um, things are coming off the boards a lot differently. I have less time to react to things. So, part of the reason I think that he started in the ECHL is to get him accustomed to the North American. He, knowing he would get a lot of minutes down there. My preference would I would eventually like to see a Lion Sandstrom tandem in um, the High Valley, and that's. Nothing against J.F. Barubi. I just don't always – I'm not always confident when he's in, in net. And I, the things I've seen from Sandstrom early on, I think, are struggles that will go by the wayside once he's very comfortable playing the North American style. So um, stick tap to him for getting his first shutout. I know he was, he was pretty stoked about it. Um, and uh, hopefully he'll get some more of that and, and at some point during the season could, could get a look up in the A. She's Amy Johnson. Follow her at Flyers Rules, and she uh, covers the Phantoms as well as uh, the Laval Rocket, the Montreal Canadiens uh, minor That's league right. affiliate, uh, for the AHL Report, uh, which is part of the Rocket Sports uh, family of websites. Amy, thanks again, and we will check in with you in December. That sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Anytime. That's got to make you feel good about the minors. Yeah, there there are certainly positive things to take away from there. There are. I mean, the Phantoms have been playing well too. I mean, there's there's a lot down there that 
you know, there's a lot coming in this organization. And, and there's no such thing as overvaluing or overrating the importance of winning at the in the minor leagues. Yeah. Right? Because, one, you want to build a culture of winning. You want those players to get used to what it's like to win at that level so that when they come up, they bring a winning culture with them. But it, it's so important for some of these guys to to kind of reap the, the rewards of playing at that level and, and hopefully showcasing their talent and showcasing the, you know, giving the front office a reason to think about giving them a call up. And when there's a positive energy permeating the phantoms, it, it can do no harm for the flyers. You know, Russ, we got to um, wrap this puppy up and we got about 30 seconds left here before uh, we got to you know throw it to the commercials and then switch over to crossing broadcast. But maybe we can sneak into crossing broadcast at some point. Cause I'd, I'd love to get Kevin Kincaid's thoughts on it, especially since he wrote the post on crossing broad today. We got We I think we have to talk about Don Cherry. Oh, we will. I think that that's definitely something that has to come up because I, I don't know. I think that it, I, Don Cherry has said a lot of bad things in his day. I'm not certain that this was the worst thing that he's ever said. And for him to lose his job over this one, I think, is just kind of more more tied into the culture that we're in today with social justice than than we've ever been before. So we'll get into that at some point over on Crossing Broadcast, which yeah. uh, airs from 6 to 7. And, uh, well, I guess for everybody who listened, thanks for listening this week. Don't forget to go follow us over on Twitter at Philly at Joy on Broad. We've got three games coming up this week. Check out the Press Row Show on Wednesday night, 7.30, a late start nationally televised game. We'll be going live at 7.15 over on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube. Flyers will go 2-1 this week. Thanks to Ryan Lennox for his uh, wonderful work behind the glass. We'll see you next time on Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Radio.